Slinging quack, coming in hot, off the stove. I'm Rusty, joined by Sean. Oregon is a one seed. Oregon is a one seed. How about them onions? I, because we talked about this, about how Oregon would need to win the conference championship in order to like guarantee them a two seed. But they got a one seed over Michigan State. Yeah, and I think that one seed came from, I mean, like playing Utah in the conference championship game, it, that was a good matchup for them. Um, I'm really glad we didn't have to play Cal. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we just play so, like, we play so well against Utah, and Cal just is one of those teams that has our number. Um, would we have still beaten Cal? Maybe, probably. I don't know. But Wouldn't have put it in the dirt like Utah. No. Utah was, that was just like, all right. They just took care of business. They won by, like, 30-something points, I think. And, oh yeah, they doubled up like in yeah. the second half. And and like Utah is a good team. Like they'll probably go to like at least the Sweet Sixteen. And Oregon just made them. They made them look like a, a team that just didn't even belong there. And I think part of it too was kind of redemption after getting smacked around by Arizona last year in the title game. Yeah. So that was that was nice to be on the other end of that for for a change. Yeah, I mean, it certainly helps when you have more scores than just... Why am I spacing on his name? Joseph Joke. Young. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. It's been a while. Yeah. Oh, second round uh, draft pick by the Indiana Pacers. Um, so, let's go ahead and talk about that game real fast. So, this was after... We potted immediately after the Arizona game. So this was the next day. This is about like 19 hours after that game finished. Um, I was watching this at Skamania Lodge. And it was a very loud bar. So I wasn't able to hear like any of the commentary. Mm-hmm. So Dorsey had 23 points. Bell. Bell, who's one of my favorite guys. Nine points. Three blocks. His stat line is like two rebounds, two assists, three steals, three blocks. Um, And then Brooks had 18. Boucher had 15. Cook had 11. Here's the thing that kind of bugs me about this team. Is that while Brooks is like the most consistent player on a, like a game-to-game basis, mm-hmm. he's never like... He's rarely... He is not consistently like the top scorer or playmaker in a game. Right. Like he's the leading scorer on the team, but it's not like you can't put money on him every night that he's going to be like the top player or the leading scorer or anything like that. Um, There's just like, there's so much balance on this team. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the game went from 13 13 to Oregon leading 24 13. Then jumped to 29-16, um, 33-18, and then it was like 38-21 at the end of the first half. Yeah, Oregon went on... A run. They went on... 21 in the first 20 seconds. There is yeah. a illegal road race happening outside right now. Um, 
51-27, and then it doubled up 60-30. to uh, Yeah, and then at that point it was just so out of hand. Yeah. Like 68-35. Final score, 80. I forgot how lopsided this was. 88-57. to 57. God. <laughs> I forgot how lopsided that was. That is brutal. And so many of their points, of Utah's points, came in like the last three minutes. Right, when it's like... a fifth of their points in the last three minutes. Yeah, when it's kind of just, okay, it's it's garbage time here, and the game's... I don't, I don't think I paid attention for, like, the better part of, like, the second half of that game. It was really just something nice to have on. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, all right, we got this one wrapped up. All right, let's... Let's enjoy this one. Yeah, and it's not like football where you can be like, all right, so here's like Taj Griffin getting a ton of carries. Here's... Right. Uh, when a basketball game turns into a blowout, like... There's nowhere I, to go. Yeah. I, I think my my favorite, uh, my favorite moment of the game was... Let me try and see who it was. Oh, yeah. With a minute and 24 left... Guess who hit Oregon's last basket of the game? I don't know. I'm not going to cheat and look it up either. Charlie Noble. If if you don't know who he is, it's okay. Nobody does. But I'm assuming some kind of walk-on coming in during garbage time. He hit the three-pointer and like the bench just lost their mind. And it was pretty cool to watch. I'm sure he's the guy that's just, like, a lot of fun to have on the team. But, like, yeah. everybody likes him a lot. But yeah, he's probably like, yeah, he's not going to play. He's probably, like, we never see him in a game. But behind the scenes, he's probably, like, everyone's best friend on the team. Oh, for sure. And it's either, like, he's that guy who, like, tries really, really hard, like, every day, like Rudy. Or he's the guy that just makes a ton of jokes and doesn't care too much. And then everybody's just laughing when he starts hitting them. <laughs> yeah. There's no in-between. It's one or the other. Yeah. So now Oregon is a one seed in their in their uh, little bracket here. Uh, Oregon is playing Holy Cross at 7.27 on Friday evening. Eastern time. Eastern time? It's a 4.27 game tip-off Pacific oh. time. So so make sure you clock out early from work, folks. Yeah, or don't even go to work. Or, you know, stay because it's Holy Cross. Yeah. Or if you're self-employed, then I hate you. Uh, They'll play the winner of St. Joseph's in Cincinnati. Below them, the 12-5 is Yale Baylor, who at the time of this recording, Yale is up by five in halftime. That was the 12-5 upset I picked. Until I thought about it for another second and decided to go with Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> See, I went I went with Baylor in that one, and they're they're scaring me. Um, as of this exact moment in time, it's it's forty to forty with a few minutes into the second half. Okay. Um, I had picked. See, the reason I had picked Baylor was kind of like one of those when you're filling out your brackets, like you know, upsets are going to happen, and it's always going to be the upsets where you're just like. Ah, I did not see that one coming. So you try and like outsmart your guesses, and 
I was like, okay, UNC Wilmington Duke. That has that has Duke choking written all over it. <laughs> and for a for a hot second, it looked like that was going to happen. Um, Wilmington was up at the half; they were leading Duke, and then Duke just like stomped their foot down on the second half and was like, all right, enough of this. Um, but I, so I, I couldn't. I thought about putting Yale through and. But I couldn't live with myself knowing that my bracket had a UNC Wilmington Yale game. Like I, I couldn't do it, mm-hmm. and so I took the safe pick, putting Baylor through because I knew that I'm pretty confident that should Baylor win this game, they'll take care of Duke. Oh yeah, because I think I think Duke like this game just exhausted Duke trying to like pull away from this game, and so I think that they're just going to be beaten down for the second game. Um, so it's like one of those conservative picks where you're thinking ahead to the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. I saw it. I saw a tweet that said, "Should Yale win this game, the the ticket, the uh, lower level between the basket ticket to the Yale Duke game will be the most expensive in college basketball history." Wow. Just with with all the rich alumni fans, I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Just driving up ticket prices. Although I don't think Yale fans care that much. I don't think most Yale fans know they have a basketball team. Yeah, they're probably wearing bow ties and just like, oh, what is this March Madness? We're like, oh, we're playing a basketball match today. <laughs> a basketball match. They like have uh, sweater vests on and like shirts, the collared shirts, bow ties, and they put down a book with their legs crossed or whatever. Stereotypes are fun. Yeah, and like a uh, a nice logger in <laughs> in like a glass like pretentious glass cup or whatever. You're going with logger and not the aged scotch. Mm, I don't know. I I feel like eh, I feel like it's a, a beer. <laughs> Let's come up with more about this hypothetical person. We're drifting way off topic here. Um, you see, there's the road over there, and there's us about five miles off of it. Yeah. So, good news. Bracket is still perfect through, like, five games. Good for you. Yeah. It's like a participation ribbon <laughs> at this point. <laughs> you'll be getting, at the end of the day, you'll get your orange slices and juice box with it. Good. Uh, yeah, so Duke, UNC, Wilmington, Texas versus Northern Iowa, Texas A&M versus Green Bay, Oregon State versus VCU. Oregon State is 7, VCU is 10. But VCU is favored by three points. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people picking VCU in that game. So I pick VCU, myself included. Although I'm really just clinging on. Like I would gladly trash my bracket to see Oregon and Oregon State in the Elite Eight. Oh yeah, I would gladly personally light up my black bracket in flames to see that happen. Okay, question. Question. Because I talked about with this with another friend, because Oregon winning is almost a given. So much so that Vegas didn't even put out an odd. Like, didn't even put out a spread. Uh, so my question is, I love chaos. What would be funnier? Or what would be more enjoyable? Oregon beating Holy Cross and moving on. Mm-hmm. Or Oregon losing to Holy Cross and being the first number one seed of all time to lose. You know, there's so many things that get hung over our head by other fan bases 
primarily like not having a national championship in football. I oh, just, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know all these beauty pageants counted. I can't live with the fact of us becoming the first to ever lose to a 16 seed. We would be talked about until the end of time. Like <laughs> the only one seed. It's going to be like 50 years down the road and they're going to be like, only once in the history of this tournament has it happened. And, yeah, exactly. You know, Oregon loses to Holy Cross. Number one seeds are 324 and one all time against 16 seeds. Who was the one seed? Well, the Oregon Ducks way back in 2016. Just, I, I it would be you. an Affleck trivia question. Yeah. Who beat... Who, Oregon would who, be too obvious. It would be who beat Oregon. Yeah, who was the team that beat? Because no one will ever hear of like no one's ever heard of Holy Cross. No one will ever hear of them again. Um, but it's like it's one of those things where like the more and more you talk about it, and like you're like ah, this is like there's not even any odds. This isn't even even going to be a game. Like you know, logically deep down inside that like, of course, Oregon's going to win this game. But then the more and more you like you? verbally talk about it, you're do like, you? do, do you? you? Is it, are they going to win? Are you so sure about that? Would you bet on it? Um, but yeah, if, um, if you guys haven't been around the website today yet, um, one of our basketball writers, Alex Ryder pulled off the impossible and pulled together a preview article about holy cross wow Um, good for him i didn't know that like kudos to him because i didn't know that there was enough information on the internet on this team oh no they're totally this um so quick rundown they're from the patriot league they went 15 and 19 overall and 5 and 13 in the patriot league their key wins are at bucknell (laughs) which was accepted Set the 77 to 72 double overtime thriller, uh, 59 56 win over Lehigh, and their key loss is a 92 to 59 stomping against Kansas. Um, That's so they actually tri- not bad, they tried. That's participation ribbon for them. I feel like if you're the ninth best Patriot League team and you only lose by 31 to Kansas, that's they had to beat the spread on that one. There's no way they didn't beat the spread. Yeah. The the rundown of their team strength is a rare 1-3-1 zone defense. That's just like, you know what? We're not going to win many games. Let's try and let's let's work something funky in while we're at it. I still can't get over this 5-13 in the Patriots. And their team weakness is rebounding. They average 30.1 rebounds a game, which is good for 345th in the country. I don't Chris, know how... Chris Boucher is going to have a field day. Do we do we talk about uh, this author's full name? AJR425. Because I don't know how he wrote this article, in, or, or she. I don't know how they wrote such a serious tone throughout this whole article. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's it's really quite amazing. Um, like I said, kudos for actually pulling together enough information on Holy Cross for a preview. I think we might be like the only site on the internet that has this much info on them. Do they have an SB Nation site? Oh, I. Their conference has one. There's a Patriot League blog. 
So, I mean, if your strength is is just a one setup of a one three one zone, Dana Altman is going to do. <laughs> Dana Altman's going to do bad things. <laughs> um, rebounding and lack of athleticism. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. Thirty point one rebounds. 345th in the country. It amazes me how many D1 basketball teams there are. I didn't even know there were that many teams in the country. Like, isn't the, like, how many, how many, F, how many FBS football teams there are? Like 120-ish, give or take a few? There's, uh, yeah, there's like 128. I love the comments on this. Good write-up. Until this week, I had never even heard of Holy Cross. Nice. Fun fact, they're from Massachusetts. Okay, so this is this is the thing I'm looking up. So I just looked up how many Division One basketball teams there are. And Scholarship for Athletes says 337. That has to be old. So they're basically like, I mean, they're rebounding wise, they're as bad as it gets. Oh, here we go. Here we go. This guy ranked every single college basketball team. What is wrong with him? That's, um. Who is this? That Someone has a lot of free time on their hands there. It's the uh, I on college basketball staff. God, I feel so bad for these people. This is before the season. They ranked Oregon as 23. Hmm. Holy Cross was 225th. So good for Holy Cross. Really blowing away all expectations. (laughs) I guess that happens when you win when it counts. Just win your conference championship when you have no business participating. You can suck the whole season, but as long as you win the conference championship, you're going... As long as you win the tournament, you're going dancing. All right, so... Holy Cross is 345th in rebounding. Out of a possible 351. That is, like, worse relatively than Oregon's defense last year in college football. Like, Which is saying something. Yeah. I mean, they're both like four away from being the worst in the country, but when there's that many teams, yikes. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I don't even know like how much to talk about this, about like Holy Cross. Like, here, here's my, here's the thing. There's always one 1 versus 16 game where the 16 seed really holds on for a long time. And it even comes down to the last mm-hmm. few plays. Virginia is taking care of Hampton. UNC is playing Florida Gulf Coast. Kansas is playing Austin P. Kansas is up five, like halfway through the first. If Kansas... Okay, so it looks like Oregon is playing. UNC is playing tonight. 
No. They're playing tomorrow. They have to be playing tomorrow. Oregon. Wait, UNC. UNC. UNC has to be playing tomorrow. Yeah, UNC is playing. No. Uh, they're playing at 4.20 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday. So in no. three hours after this recording. All right. So we're going to know by the end of today. If Oregon's going to be that really close, one through sixteen team, one against sixteen team, and that's just science. It's going to happen. That's it's just science. Happen. Uh, oh, man, I feel more pressure being the one seed than like the two seed. A I know. Years ago, <laughs> you can just like when you're the two seed, like you're still going to take care of business and you'll go deep into the tournament, but you're not like the one. You're labeled as a one seed. Like yeah. there's. There's, you know, what, 64 teams in this tournament, and there's out of, you know, four one seeds, and it's like they get all the attention. And I mean, it's like, yeah, it's cool. You get the first one seed in history, but God, it's so much pressure. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. All right, so St. Joe's is going to play Cincinnati. Um, I have St. Joseph's winning. As do I. Then Baylor beating Duke. Oregon beating Baylor. As same all around so far. I'm really hoping for an Oregon-Baylor matchup again. Um, I think they. I think Oregon would... I think that's best case scenario for Oregon. Yeah. I have Texas A&M beating Northern Iowa in the second round. Oregon, or then Texas A&M playing... Uh, Texas A&M moving on VCU moving on Northern Iowa moving on Oklahoma moving on TAMU beats Northern Iowa Oklahoma beats VCU Oklahoma beats TAMU Oregon beats Oklahoma and that's not surprising at all Um, a lot of people have Oklahoma and TAMU beating Oregon Oklahoma actually has a better has better odds according to Vegas than Oregon to reach the final four yeah I've seen I've seen a lot of, um, I'd say in the major, probably about like 80% of the brackets I've looked at from the quote unquote experts, I've seen Oregon getting into the Elite Eight against either Oklahoma or Texas A&M. Um, but I th- the only bracket that I can really recall off the top of my head, as far as like from like CBS or SB Nation or, um, Sports Illustrated, like out of all the like the brackets I've kind of looked over the past few days, Lindsey Schnell from Sports Illustrated, I think, was like the only one that I saw that actually had Oregon in the Final Four. I've always liked her. Wait, and is that true? Wasn't she an Oregonian writer for a while? She, I, she, yeah, she had some Oregon connection. I know. I think it might have been Oregonian. So maybe there's a little... Oh, uh, actually, I confused this with really liking her with really disliking her. <laughs> Common confusion. <laughs> Common confusion. Well, I mean, uh, love and hate are very similar. The opposite of that is really indifference. So, I remember... Who was I confusing her with? Oh, it's the Pac-12 writer... Uh, on ESPN oh, okay. there's a woman packed full of writer and I always confuse the two for obvious reasons because they're both women sports writers so 
obviously I confuse them. Full blown honesty, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I remember she wrote an article that was like, Does anybody even know why the Huskies and uh the ducks are rivals? Like why do we why is this even a rivalry? And it's like is that a serious comment or is that like a serious like there's literally hundreds of articles about this. Mm-hmm. There are literally hundreds of articles about how like the recent history of the rivalry does not matter towards the rivalry. So, I mean, it'd be really endearing if it wasn't her job to know that stuff. So, uh, funny tweet that just came across since we're talking about, since we just talked about Yale. Um, this is blatant homerism, who is the editor of Crystal Ball Run. Every year, people pulling for a bunch of Ivy League kids who are 15 years away from laying them off. Oh, that's cold. <laughs> that is cold, but it's true. But true. Uh, and that guy who's just sitting in his armchair right now is like, yep. Um, yeah, so then I have Kansas beating Oregon and then eventually beating Michigan State. UNC loses to Michigan State in the other Final Four. I have Purdue going pretty see, deep and Indiana going pretty deep. See, that was the one that was the one that I struggled with for for a while was North Carolina or Kentucky. Um, I took Kentucky into the final four. A little bit of a bold pick, but I, I I couldn't, I couldn't live with my final four being like all one and two seeds. Can't do it. Cause there's always like some lower seed that kind of slips in there. So I I looked at all the lower seeds. I'm like, okay, who would kind of creep in? Um, and I figured out of everyone, like, four and lower, Kentucky had the best shot. So um, a quick a quick run-through of my bracket. I have uh, South Dakota State beating Maryland as my 12-5 upset. For the longest time, I wanted to pick Hawaii over California. I, I really wanted set. to. Really wanted to do it, but then I I flipped it and switched. I originally had Maryland Hawaii in the second round, and then I switched that to California South Dakota State with California, eventually losing to Kansas in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, I think my like bold pick that could very quickly backfire on me. Um, I mean, not really bold, but just it has the potential to go very wrong very quickly as. Uh, I have Arizona going to the Elite Eight, uh, beating Miami, beating Villanova. Both of those games, like, and even against Wichita State, like, all of those games, I don't feel like a hundred percent confident that any of those are going to happen. But I trust it. It's my gut instinct. I'm going with it. Um, the let's see, we got Oregon and St. Joe's. The UNC Wilmington pick backfired on me. I've got Northern Iowa over Texas. And then I think we, we basically had the same initial outcome. Oregon over Baylor, Oklahoma over Texas A&M, Oregon over Oklahoma. Because if you can't put Oregon in the Final Four as a one seed, when will you be able to? Right. So that was my logic this year is like I don't I didn't even like look into the Oregon Oklahoma matchup. I was like I'm putting Oregon in because I can this year without like totally blowing up my bracket. Mm-hmm. 
Um, other side, uh, let's see, I've got North Carolina Providence. I've got Kentucky going pretty deep. I've got Michigan over Notre Dame. Um, let's see. Eventually, eventually, I've got Kentucky over Xavier. Uh, Butler, that, that pick panned out okay so far. I went with Iona, Iona over Iowa State. That did not go well, so let's go Purdue because I have them. I have Purdue in the Sweet 16. Um, Gonzaga over Seton Hall, which I think has been a tr- pretty trendy pick because I think Gonzaga was one of those, like, I think they were ranked as, like, one of the most, like, underseeded teams of the year. It was like that year when Oregon was ranked as a 12 seed and everyone was like, no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, so my eventual final four is Kansas over Oregon and then Michigan State over Kentucky with Kansas over Michigan State. So the key with March Madness brackets is you start bold and you get more and more boring with your picks as the tournament goes on. Yeah, exactly. it's it's the rule of thumb is it's initial madness and chaos the first weekend and then everything kind of pans out. Yeah, I had Hawaii beating Cal, but then I was looking at it and I was like, if Cal wins, that could have really burned me. Yeah, I a, I, if I pick an upset, I always try to mitigate uh, my losses by like, okay, well, if, if I'm wrong about this, then the other team's probably going to lose in the next round. Right, you pick the safe upsets where, like, even if you get the upset wrong, like, for example, me picking uh, UNC Wilmington over Duke, like, I feel okay about that because I'm fairly confident that Baylor's going to win. Baylor would win that game, like, whether they played Duke or if they played UNC Wilmington. So you kind of, like, make your upset picks with the Sweet 16 in mind. Yeah. Because what you don't want to do, this, this is how I got burnt a couple years ago. Learned this lesson the hard way. You can't just be picking upsets, like, blindly. Mm-mm. Because in a point system, if you pick an upset wrong and that team goes deep, you're in trouble. Like, your bracket's over. Yeah, you got to play conservative with the upsets. So, and if in doubt, I always just go with Vegas. I always just look at Vegas odds. And you can pretty much pick based off of uh, odds to win the the individual bracket, mm-hmm. like that quarter bracket, and you can just pick, go based off future odds. So if two teams seem close together, but the likelihood of them winning the whole bracket is way far apart, just pick the higher one. So... Because those guys in the desert are really good at what they do. Casinos don't get super tall for no reason. Trust uh, trust Vegas. Yeah. It'll, it'll exactly. lead you far in life. <laughs> yeah. Always rely on Vegas. Never, <laughs> never go against it. Never go against the house. <laughs> no. Because uh, they get paid a lot more money to come up with those than you do. So, in other news... The O'Bannon case is wrapped up now. Oh, look at that. There's a $60 million settlement between Electronic Arts and college athletes over their likeness being used in the games. Each athlete is going to be making $15,000. 
Jesus. And the representatives are going to make 5000 And then the lead plaintiffs, Ed O'Bannon, Ryan Hart, and Sam Keller, are each making 15000 Which isn't that much because of the amount of work that went into it, but like the precedent that this sets is monstrous. Well, A, athletes are finally being compensated compensated in the slightest way possible for actually people using their likenesses. Um, So, huge. I don't know what the implications are for this for the future of the NCAA franchise. But, uh, because I remember one of the big issues is that you could have, like, the EA locker Mm -hmm. and there were a couple guys I think it was, like, Operation Sports would go through and make every single player in the game. Or they would take like the the faux players and like put names on everything and kind of like fine tune it. Right. I mean it was like the whole thing of like when you played when you like bought the latest copy of NCAA football, nobody like as the game went on, like nobody actually played with like Oregon quarterback number 8, you know? It was like it was a very simple process to go download the named rosters. You had to wait a week. You had to wait a week, but you know, eventually it all panned out. And the uh, God, how how did we go those early years without downloading name rosters? I don't know, man. <laughs> and it was I saw a good point on uh, a forum that was like, just give us random names or just give us random people. Like I don't care. Mm-hmm. In three years, everybody's name is random, anyways. Yeah, like exactly. Entirely turned over the roster. Right. That was the thing. Like that. Was, that was why I never went very deep into like a dynasty mode on that game. Was because like you just you'd recruit, and within a few years, like all your original starters would be gone, and you just have these like random people, and you're like, who who are you? Like, <laughs> I I don't want my quarterback to be you know Terrence Jones. I want I want Marcus back. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes I would make like another uh, another uh, if I really wanted that player back, I would make a custom player um, and just like I would make quarterback number eight and just like or this was like when Jeremiah Masoli was the quarterback mm-hmm. after the Oklahoma State game. I would make Jeremiah Masoli uh, give him like all the same numbers and everything, but then list him as a punter. <laughs> all the stats as a quarterback so I would be the only one that offered him so obviously he would come as a punter and then I'd just switch him to quarterback right and then I heard of Jeremiah Masoli there you go yeah which is not not uh which is totally a uh sign that I have an awesome life at that point in college <laughs> <laughs> um so I really hope that game comes back. And it was like a few, it was like a couple months ago, someone on uh, their Facebook page posted our heart still beats for this game and everybody's like, what? What does this mean? What does this mean? It means, it's something's happening. Something's happening. It's, uh, college football is actually not really boring right now. It's been really interesting watching everything kind of like come together. Mm-hmm. So, fun fact, 
Ezekiel Elliott is six months younger than Leonard Fournette. Oh yeah, Dak Prescott got arrested for a Dewey after his pro day. How dumb are you? Like, getting a Dewey is obviously incredibly dumb, but when you're about to be drafted... It's about the worst thing you could do. Yeah, and like, getting a Dewey is so dumb. Like, part of the combine and everything is, like, combine numbers are important and all that stuff. But basically, teams want to see if you are if you can get prepared for something that you know is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if you do everything right and you look great during the drills, it's like okay, you worked on this a lot. You know how to prepare, right? Like whenever people like fail drug test, it's like what were you doing? You knew that you were going to get drug tested. <laughs> so blows my mind. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm trying to find... There was a really good thread I found. Uh, also, if you are not listening to Shutdown Fullcast, you're doing it wrong. Because it is... It was... This last week's episode was amazing. They made uh, a bunch of El Chavo Will Muschamp jokes. Nice. Yeah. Um, oh, here's the one I was looking at. So, oh, also in probably the last duck-related news we have, the, uh, I think, was it two players or three players that then sued the school again? Uh, I think it was two players. It was, um, it was Dominic Artis and... Uh, Damian Dotson and Dominic Artis sue Oregon. They're both seeking ten million dollars apiece. Wow, well, really, school done messed up so badly. I really thought that we had put this all behind us, but nope, it is not over. It is. Uh, see here, here's here's how here's how the law works today. And this is just the truth at this point. So uh, some people do some really terrible things because they have, like, legally, uh, because they have no concept of how the judicial system works, a lot of school presidents and everything. Mm-hmm. Or even business executives don't have a JD or legal background, so they do some stuff that's really, really dumb legally. Um, and then you have the uh, people who were uh, damaged by such actions file a lawsuit worth millions of dollars then both sides lawyer up a bunch lots of money gets spent and then they come to a very boring settlement right. and it becomes a settlement because neither side really wants to be deposed so they're like alright we'll just cut our losses and that's kind of like the tipping point and no like business leader or anything wants to be dis- deposed at all so that's why I like the uh, Nike Adidas lawsuit that happened about a year ago with three designers leaving. Once Nike, uh, once it was ruled in Adidas's favor that Nike execs would have to be deposed, Nike was like, "All right, we're just going to settle." Yeah, everything. Once it gets to that point, it's usually like, "Okay, we will just take our check and walk away quietly." Yeah. So here's what happens: they sue each other, they all settle for an undisclosed amount, and all that happens is the lawyers get paid. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, and if you don't know, you're, which is weird because you're probably a diehard Duck fan if you're listening to this. 
So the three players were accused of raping a girl on campus. Uh, the no criminal charges were, I, I don't believe any were brought off the top of my head. That's largely because of how difficult it is to prove that it was like a rape instead of consensual sex that someone changed their mind about, uh, which is extremely unlikely. Um, and these opinions are entirely my own, I'm making a lot of assumptions here, so don't take this as fact. Uh, but everyone knows that police do an awful job of actually investigating these crimes, and very few people come forward, so all the statistics are incredibly skewed mm-hmm. um, to the point that they're basically like take whatever the statistic is and then take it down like to five percent of that and that's probably the actual uh rate of any statistic um yeah and so basically the school did uh file the school found that the three players violated the student code of conduct violating sexual misconduct which is important because it has a different burden of proof than criminal charges criminal charges it's beyond a reasonable doubt with the oregon investigation it's more likely than not so it's like 50 51 to 49 percent mm-hmm. which is why the Jameis winston case that was like a push because the person like the judge on the case was like it's both equally as likely to have happened than not have happened and that's largely a result of the police absolutely botching the investigation so badly um. So yeah. So basically, that means the lawyers about to get paid. Uh, the school messed up big time for both parties. It's actually really embarrassing as a alumni of the school to see how badly the University of Oregon handled this on virtually every single front. Like it's bad. So if there were any damages uh, towards the players that they did not. Uh, deserve, then I hope they get uh, legal relief off of that, but more likely than not, I agree with the school that it was, that it did happen the way the the way the plaintiff uh, stated it. So, moving on from that, I know that was like a really bright topic that just made it every day. Um, That was was about as bright as when a it's pretty much about as bright as when the Dementors come into the Hogwarts Express right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I know there's somebody in the comments who suggested a documentary called The Hunting Ground. Uh, I've heard it's amazing. I have not watched it because I'm fully aware of the situations and it would probably just bum me out too much. Yeah. Um, but if you don't know that much about it, I highly recommend it. Um... So I was on the college football subreddit, and they have this great question that's one of your favorite college football conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And one is that Jim Delaney bribed Barry Alvarez for Wisconsin throwing the Big, Champion, Big Ten Championship game against Ohio State so Ohio oh. State would get into the playoff. Oh, that's fantastic. And then Gary Anderson left the program to protest. So... And people were like, oh, it has to be this big thing that, uh, like, all the players are in and on. No. You just have, like, a few coaches calling some bad plays, do some bad game prep, and it all looks natural. 
Mm-hmm. That's why with the uh, NBA tanking, like you don't have to tell the players not to try. You just bring on really, really bad players for a while, <laughs> and then you just time it correctly. So everyone's doing their best. They just suck. Yeah, you just you just mask it. I think um, it's probably a sport that like not. I just I always assume that not too many people follow, but the uh, tanking in the NHL is amazing because I think it's the most like widely accepted. Like it's the, it's the sport where tanking is like the most widely known that it happens and like the most widely egged on by fans. Um, yeah, like it's it like gets a, it's po- like a good business practice. It gets NBA, it's kind of shady. Yeah, it gets to the point where like if if you're like well out of the playoff picture by this point, um, but you haven't tanked hard enough to get like a really good draft pick, your fans will actually be mad at you for winning games. Like fans will be vocally mad at you for winning a game. They're like, you accomplish nothing. And they call it like no man's land because you're going to get like the 10th pick or something of like, you're going to get a pretty decent player, but you're not going to get a great player. And I don't know. I just, I I think that like I get how the lottery kind of discourages tanking, but it doesn't totally discourage it because it's the same, like it's the same concept as a normal lottery. You're like, okay, the more money I pump into this, like, technically, the better odds I have. So yeah. in sports, like, the more the more games I throw and the more games that we lose, like, the better the chance we have. Yeah. So they really, like, across sports, they need to come up with a system that's, like, tank-free, so to speak, of, like, you're not going to get increased odds, like, by losing more or, like, you just have to take, like, the top, 10 teams or whatever it may be and everyone gets equal chances at the first pick and you can't like have you can't have it be okay you lost more games so you have a 25% chance of getting it and you lost two less games so you have a 19% chance of getting that pick like uh-huh. has to be a little bit more evened out um, random uh, randomly checking in on scores we are uh we're five minutes away oh, from having a Baylor and Duke. we're we're five minutes away from having a Yale and Duke round of thirty two game. Yale is taking care of business against Baylor. They're up by nine right now. Oh my. That is uh not I mean, that is a comfortable lead. Yeah, that's based on what I've seen today. Like, what's going to happen is Baylor's going to make it interesting in the last minute, and then they're just going to go cold. Um, touching on your earlier point about there's always one interesting one versus sixteen game. It's not looking good for Oregon. Um, it's going to be Can- Oregon. Kansas is up by twenty, and Virginia won their game seventy nine to forty five. Yep, it's our turn. All right, come on fourth. Come on, Dunk City, make it an interesting game against North Carolina. It's one every year. There's one game every year. Where, it's science. Yeah. Tide goes in, tide goes out. You can't explain that. <laughs> um, there's March another... Madness infuriates me. Yeah, there's a uh, another theory that the ACC refs are just uh, corrupt. So they're, uh, <laughs> they're inept. Uh, 
Wait, were the ACC refs calling the Duke game? Yes. Oh, that's magical. Well, I didn't Duke know Miami, they were ACC yeah. refs. Yeah. Well, Duke-Miami is the ACC game. Uh, Duke, you, you, oh, Duke, I meant UNC Duke Wilmington. I'm back on the football conspiracy. Theory. Oh, we're back to football. All right, we're on two two separate times of the year. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So basically, it was uh, the ACC is intentionally bad, intentionally corrupt. <laughs> uh, the Pac-12 refs are actually just really bad. Yeah, they're just straight up bad at their job. Yeah. Um. Uh, one guy cites that the head of Pac-12 officiating put a bounty on the basketball coach to get more technical, <laughs> which is true. Which is true. God. Uh, another great one that's on here is Auburn flooded the field on purpose for the Iron Bowl I just, to, I, uh, to slow down the Alabama attack. I love conspiracy theories. Yeah, like uh, Notre Dame like vocally made the grass as long as possible and made it soggy against mm-hmm. USC for the Bush Push game. Right. Um, but they were, like, pretty open about it. And then there's the cow faking injuries conspiracy, which mm-hmm. actually happened and uh, has resulted in Autzen fans booing injured players for the last, like, five years now, and it's really embarrassing <laughs> at this point. It's yeah, like, it's stop. No one's faked an injury in like four years. Like the the guy's leg could like literally snap in half, and fans boo. would boo him for slowing down the tempo. It's a prosthetic shin. It's not real. <laughs> he can't actually break it. Yeah, that angle totally fake. There's probably the same people that's like steel can't burn that fast. <laughs> it's just CGI. The building nine was an inside job. <laughs> um, my favorite on here is that uh, the crazy theory that the University of Kansas fielded the football team in 2015. <laughs> and then Didn't actually like, happen. If you look at satellite photos, there's a football stadium. Why does this exist? Uh, <laughs> um, oh, here's the one I believe the most. Bobby Petrino. At Arkansas, faked the motorcycle wreck. Uh, After his yeah. mistress's fiance found out she was cheating on him with Bobby, this is a quote from it from Goggles Up 859. After his mistress's fiance found out she was cheating on him with Bobby Petrino, he confronted, I'm assuming, cheated on him with Bobby. The fiance confronted Petrino and beat the crap out of Petrino. In order to cover up the fact that he got that Bobby got the crap beaten out of him, Bobby faked the motorcycle wreck. This would explain how Bobby was in a neck brace, but the woman had no injuries after the quote unquote wreck. Uh, Bobby didn't call 911 after the wreck, but had his wife pick him up from a mall parking lot after being dropped off by a sheriff. Uh, and the police report wasn't filed for several days so uh, yeah and the highway patrol man he met was a friend of his what a coincidence yeah so oh of course here we're gonna finish on this one this one's great oh this one Pac-10 intentionally had the refs rig the Oklahoma Oregon game to provide a boost to Oregon's (laughs) visibility (laughs) Oh, oh man. man. 
That's great. That's like that's part of the reason why I want a um, an Oregon Oklahoma Elite Eight just to like bring up that game again. Just like anything applicable where we can bring that up. Yeah, yeah. And then one person goes, "You two thousand okay?" Writes, "How did I not know about this? Because <laughs> it's not real." And then one guy southbound I thirty five just goes, eh, "That was just bad play calling." So <laughs> fair. Yeah, so those refs that game were really just bad. And luckily, the worst calls happened at the best time in our favor. So, sucks to suck. Um, where are we at right now? All right. Oregon playing Holy Cross tomorrow in basketball. 4.27 p.m. Uh, yes. Uh, football spring game is at the end of April. Spring practices start in a few weeks. Spring football is underway at many, uh, many different colleges right now, such as South Carolina. This is a stat that was brought up on the shutdown forecast. I feel like Oregon always gets a late start on their spring football. I think it's because of the trimesters. And yeah. The, and the weather in Oregon. Like South Carolina, it's already really warm. Right. Um, finishing, finishing question for you, trivia question. So Will Muschamp is right. now the head coach at uh, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. They started spring practice this last week. Right. What – I want you to guess what the first play of spring practice was. Uh, first play of spring practice, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with a, a successful flea flicker. Really? Statue, Statue of Liberty? <laughs> it was a pick six. Oh, <laughs> womp womp. I mean, it's a completion to your own to your team, though. So exactly. Yeah. As as soon as uh, Ryan Nani on shutdown forecast was guess what the first play was from uh, from scrimmage for South Carolina. I was like, it's a pick six. It's a pick it's six. So obvious. <laughs> so obvious. All right. Well, that'll do it for us here at Sling and Quack. That's all the quack we have. Um, when we come back to you live next week Oregon we will either be talking about two Oregon games or one Oregon game and if it's the latter it's going to be really funny if it's the former and one of those uh, and the second game's a loss then we're just going to be really bummed out yeah so it's it, like losing to uh, the 16 seed would just be like you're laughing because you're not crying <laughs> yeah, it's it's when you're like you're you're la- like it's like the mixture of laughing and crying, and someone is like, "Are you are you okay? Are you laughing? Are you crying?" And you're like, "I, I don't know." <laughs> so yeah, all right. See you guys next week.